Psychology in Seattle. Hey, deserving listeners. Today's episode is about situations in which clients and therapists, um, one or other or both, are thinking or even diving into dating each other and being in a romantic relationship together. It's considered extremely unethical and uh, grounds for losing your license and maybe even a civil suit. And I get a lot of emails about this from clients who are attracted to their therapists. It's a common phenomenon. We've known about it for over 100 years in this profession, and we've changed the way that we approach it over the years. And I've talked about it before on the podcast. There's been cases in which the therapist and the client have dated or the the therapist uh, hits on the client or the client hits on on the therapist. It's a very common thing that I get asked about. And I thought I would actually uh, talk about it again because I got another email about it that I think um, furthers the conversation. So let's get into that email. It's from an anonymous patron. But first, let's introduce the podcast. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. So let's get into the email. And she writes, This past year, I became close to one of my male friends. I was hoping with time and patience, it would turn into something romantic. But he moved away, and I was heartbroken. So I went to a therapist to sort out my emotions. I purposely picked this therapist because I wanted the male perspective on relationships. I initially thought two or three sessions would suffice, but I was wrong. On our second session, I started to find him quite attractive. And on his own, he told me that he too was divorced with no children. We connected and on an, we, we connected on an intellectual level. This is something I crave in a man. At first, we were meeting every other week, but that turned into weekly sessions. And then he started extending his sessions to two to three hours, even though he was just billing for one hour. And yes, in a way, he was breaking boundaries. It has been four months, and I am really starting to fall in love with him. This is not transference, and it is not just filling a void in me. Also, I have a strong feeling that he is attracted to me as well. I have listened to every podcast of yours you've made about this topic. I understand the ethics, but I know therapists are people too, and I strongly believe consenting adults can do what they please. And I would rather die than reject than I would rather die with rejection than die with regret. Should I end therapy with him and tell him that I'm interested in him romantically? What should I do in this situation? End of email. Yeah, I get it. Your feelings are real. There's no doubt about it. I, I, you know, I, just because it's with a therapist doesn't mean that your feelings are not real. Um, your feelings are real. And, okay, there's a small chance that this will work out. It happens very rarely, but sometimes. Let me lay out the five possibilities that are before you. Number one, he likes you as well, and you're meant for each other. Uh, this is extremely unlikely, but, you know, small chance of it happening. So let's say that you tell him you like him um, and he says, I like you too. And you figure out some way to date. Maybe he quits being a therapist. Um, Maybe he just figures out a way that he won't get caught by the ethics board. 
and everything works out. You're meant for each other, and you stay together for the rest of your life. This is an extremely uncommon outcome, and I really want to stress that. Extremely unlikely. We've looked into this with research. We, we research this topic. It's very important that us therapists understand this phenomenon, and we have found that this outcome is extremely unlikely. You know, let's just say he wasn't your therapist and you met in the normal way through Tinder or at a party or something. Even then, through normal ways, it would also be extremely unlikely that you were going to last. Most dating relationships end uh, before, you know, a couple years or something. So the chance that, you know, under any circumstances that this was going to last is pretty small, particularly since he's your therapist. But, okay, it's possible, and I guess that's the possibility you're hoping for. The second possibility out of five is, again, he likes you. He, you know, he reciprocates that affection for you. And, uh, uh, but you're not meant for each other, and you aren't harmed by the breakup. So again, in this scenario, you figure out a way to date, but you eventually break up. And it feels bad to you, as any breakup would, but you're not traumatized by it. This is also a very uncommon outcome uh, in that you aren't harmed by the breakup. Number three possibility out of five is, again, let's say that he likes you, he reciprocates, but you're not meant for each other, and you are harmed by the, by the breakup. This is a very common outcome much more common than you're made for each other and you stay together and much more common than you um, date and you're not harmed. It's very likely that if you, if he does reciprocate the feelings for you, you do figure out a way to date. It's very likely that you'll be harmed by this. Um, There are lots of things that can happen that I've heard stories of from people who have been, you know, as a lightning rod, this podcast you know, this podcast has become a lightning rod for these kinds of stories, and I've heard so many stories uh, of of this happening. He could dump you suddenly. He could be abusive. He could be psychopathic. Given his behavior, it raises a red flag of him having a personality disorder. It, if he, in fact, does reciprocate the feelings for you, I would give it a 50% chance that he suffers from a malevolent personality disorder or some kind of personality trait that is not good for you to be in contact with. Uh, That's a very common thing that I've seen. Whenever I've evaluated, and I've been a professional consultant on cases like this, of course, I can't, I haven't evaluated the therapist professionally, but there are lots of signs that the person has uh, traits in their personality that makes them both very appealing, but also very dangerous to people. Uh, Not a for sure thing, but possible. Um, He could, another scenario I hear a lot about is, you know, he's in a bad spot. So let's say he does like you, which, you know, I don't know the likelihood of that, but let's say he does like you in return and you do somehow figure out a way to date either secretly or he quits being a therapist because he can never date you, by the way, uh, 10 years from now. Technically speaking, he can't. So um, I'm, at least I'm pretty sure all the ethical codes have caught up with that. 
notion. Marriage and family therapy, that's definitely true. And I think maybe the other professions have a little bit of a, like a five-year grace period or something. I'd have to look it up. But anyway, but anyway, let's say that he does like you, you figure out a way to date. And uh, almost all the time when I hear these stories, uh, the therapist is going through something rough in their life. They are struggling. They're lonely. They are not meeting their needs. They might be drinking a lot and they've lost perspective. And this has led them to start to open the door to romantic feelings and exchanges with clients. And someone like that is not doing well in their life, is not someone that you want to be dating, right? They are struggling with something, uh, the shame or guilt or grief or lack of self-awareness or something. And the relationship ends up bumping up against that uh, once the therapist and client start to date and it dissolves in a way that the client, the former client, feels very, very harmed by. Um, Another situation that happens that I've seen is that the harm to client is that presumably, hopefully, up until this point, your therapist has engaged in at least mostly a one-way relationship where he has cared for you, but you haven't cared for him. At least I hope that's the case. And you're very used to that. And it and uh, once you start to date, if you're a healthy relationship, that should balance out where you're now taking care of him and he's now taking care of you. For some former clients in situations like that, that can be extremely disorienting where it's like, well, wait a second, you have as many problems as I do. You, you're, you're just as broken as everyone else in, is in this society. Um, you tricked me when you were my therapist by making me believe that you didn't have any issues. But that's what therapy is like. Uh, most therapists do not expose their unresolved issues in the moment to their clients. And so uh, there's this extreme... A disorienting uh, experience that clients will have once they actually start dating their therapist. Now, I know some of you listeners out there have been through stuff like this. So if you want to, you know, email me or comment below, uh, please do so because this listener, I think, needs to hear those stories. Um, now, let's say that does happen where, and I'm not talking about just mild harm. I'm talking about, so let's say he likes you, you start to date, you break up, and the high, there's a high likelihood that it will be bad for you. There's a chance that if you break up, um, it'll be on your terms and you'll be okay with it. I've actually heard stories like that before. But it's much more likely you're going to be harmed. And it's not mild harm. It's not like, oh, a little bit of sadness. There have been people harmed by situations like this who need therapy for the rest of their lives to recover from these events. It is no joke to be harmed by your therapist whom you trusted and then having dated and then you know it, it is a it is a soul rocking a soul uh, damaging event or worse yet you never go back to therapy again because you don't trust therapists naturally okay so that's the third option which is terrible the fourth option that might happen the fourth possibility is that he doesn't actually like you or he doesn't like you enough anyway, um, and you actually disclose your feelings to him, and he reacts well. So 
this, I would say, is a definite possibility. So you tell him that you like him. He's a good enough therapist, and he reacts well in a therapeutic manner. And he says, you know, um, you know, thank you for telling me. Obviously, um, this is a professional relationship. Ethically, I can't uh, date any of my clients. Um, and frankly, I've never seen you that way in that way before. But um, I'm here to process your feelings with you. And the two of you have a good enough relationship where you can kind of see your way through that. Now, this situation, I would say, given what you've told me, and I have to take your word for you know the facts, is it's not extremely likely that this is going to happen given that he's already breaking obvious boundaries. He's already going down the slippery slope that so many therapists do uh, as they are um, heading into unethical grounds and also grounds that um, they don't know what they're doing. But again, it's, it's, it's quite possible. I, I would give this, if he doesn't like you, like you, I would give it, I don't know, Given all the negative stories I hear, I would give it a 50 to 70% chance that he reacts well to you and therapeutically. Um, You know, who knows? The fifth and last possibility is that he doesn't like you um, and you disclose your feelings and he reacts badly. Again, I would give this a 30 to 50% chance of happening if he doesn't like like you. So you tell him, let's say in this possibility, you tell him that you like him. He reacts badly, like he, he might terminate suddenly. I've seen that happen uh, because some therapists have no idea what they're doing when it comes to stuff like this. So let's say he you know, learns about this, he, he freaks him out, and he just terminates. I, I have heard accounts from listeners who will say that, yeah, you know, I liked my therapist. I thought he might like me too because he was really flirty with me in session, and um, he was extending sessions for me, and uh, sometimes we would even text with each other outside of sessions. And I told him that I liked him, and he seemed uncomfortable. And then he just emailed me a a few days later saying that he was referring me to another therapist because that he believed he wasn't the best therapist for me after talking with a supervisor. This is awful. This is unethical. This is uh, potentially, you know, complainable to the Department of Health and, um, and potentially malpractice. Uh, to just suddenly terminate with someone like that. And I've heard stories like that too, and I've been consultants on situations like that too. So that's a possibility. Um, Now, that's not your fault, obviously. A lot of this, none of these scenarios are really your fault. I mean, you falling in love with your your therapist and entertaining the idea of actually dating him, you know, it's not your fault. A lot of clients uh, experience that. Um, So yeah, he could terminate suddenly. That could be something bad that could happen to you. He could also get extremely awkward and you could lose respect for him. Um, He also might not know how to contain your emotions around this. Like, let's say he says, oh, I'm sorry, and he reacts well in the moment. But then later on, he doesn't really know how to check in with you about your feelings and and hold on to that in a therapeutic way. So, um, you know, this happens sometimes. I I definitely get a lot of stories around that. Um, and then I guess I'll add a sixth possibility that I'll type out here in my notes is um, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't actually like you. He doesn't like you um, and you uh, don't tell him. You don't tell him how you feel. Uh, this, is, this is an option. Um, it, it's hard to know, you know, like you said, you said you'd rather die 
being rejected than die with uh, the regret of not telling him. Uh, but you have to gauge that with the reality of the situation. Um, uh, you know, it's up to you in terms of what you want to do, obviously. But there are risks uh, to, to telling him. I wish there weren't risks. I wish I could tell you that you should be, you know, because the common advice that a lot of therapists will give is, well, just tell your therapist when, you know, when you fall in love with your therapist, just tell them. Well, I'm here to tell you that uh, there's a fair amount of therapists who don't know how to react to that. Either they will say they, they do reciprocate the feelings, um, even though they don't actually plan on dating you, which can, you know, really complicate therapy in a negative way, or they actually date you and that usually leads to harm. Or they just suddenly terminate. You know, there's all these stories that I hear from therapists who just have no idea what they're doing when it comes to this kind of thing. Now, I fault our industry for not training the therapist well enough, but I also fault supervisors for not knowing how to help people with this. I routinely bring this up with my supervisees because some supervisees don't know that they should bring it up. And so, I, so I'll say to them, by the way, if you ever fall in love with your there with your client, if you ever feel sexually attracted to your client, if you ever find an experience where you feel like your client is falling in love with you or sexually attracted to you, uh, you're you're obligated to bring that up with me because it's complicated enough that you should not be trying to navigate that on your own. And inevitably, at least one person in the group will be like, "Oh, well, I have a situation," and we talk about it. Uh, and when when clinicians get the supervision and the consultation that they need, then the client is much, much better off. Um, it sounds to me like, uh, anyway, so again, just going over the, the six possibilities here is uh, he, he does reciprocate, he does like you, and you're meant for each other. Very low likelihood of happening. Number two, he likes you, but you're not meant for each other, and you aren't harmed by the breakup. Uh, again, not likely. Another scenario, he likes you, but you're not made for each other. And you are harmed by the breakup. Again, very high likelihood of that happening if he does, in fact, like you. Uh, one study found that 64% of clients suffered from PTSD after having sex with their therapist. So, so let's say he does like you, you do date. Presumably you're going to have sex with him. Um, Maybe not, but you know, let's just assume that. 64% of clients, according to this one study, suffered from PTSD after such an event. Uh, that's just PTSD. PTSD is a diagnosis in the DSM that has, it's a very specific particular syndrome to a trauma. There are so many other syndromes and uh, negative consequences to an event like that. So two-thirds suffered from actually suffered from a mental illness after having sex with their therapist. And there's so many roads to that trauma happening. Uh, most notably, this massive disruption to attachment and to trust in other human beings. The fourth possibility is he doesn't actually like you, or at least he doesn't like you enough to um, tell you that or risk his license or something. Um, and you disclose your feelings, and he reacts well. Uh, sadly, this is not as likely as I would hope it would be, um, but um, just consider that. The fifth possibility, he doesn't like you, um, and you disclose your feelings to him, and he reacts badly. Again, quite common. 
the sixth and last is he doesn't like you and you don't tell him how you feel. You know, that's an option to you. Now, you say, listener, patron, that it's not transference. You say, you know, look, I'm in love with my therapist. I think he loves me too. I think he likes me too. This is not transference. Let me, let me define transference for you. Um, transference is when we have emotional feelings towards our therapist that are complicated by our history. There's lots of different definitions of transference, but that's one. Some people think transference means when you fall in love with your therapist. That's just one kind of transference. That's like one of 10,000 kinds of, of transference. Um, using uh, my example of kimchi soup again, it, it's like saying that, uh, you know, whenever we talk about food, we're talking about kimchi soup. Yeah, kimchi soup is one kind of food. There's a lot of different kinds of foods. Falling in love with a therapist is transference, but it's just one of 10,000 kinds of transference. So, uh, and it kind of bugs me that people are like, um, that's trend, you know, I'm having transference. And I'm like, what kind of transference? They're like, oh, well, you know, falling in love with my therapist. I'm like, well, there's, a, we, we transfer, uh, when therapy is going well, we always have transference with our, with our therapists. Um, whether it be positive or negative. Anyway, so by definition, it is transference. You're having emotional feelings towards your therapist. Now, he might actually reciprocate, which we would call counter-transference, but uh, by definition, you are experiencing transference. I think what you're thinking is, is that the term transference means that it's not real. There's nothing not There's nothing unreal about transference. It's not like, you know, say you... You fell in love with your therapist. There aren't some people experiencing transference and some people experiencing real love. All of them are experiencing real love. So I just want to be clear about that. So by definition, you are experiencing transference. Um, You also say that it's not filling a void. Because I often talk about in the podcast and therapists are trained to to point this out is that when, okay, you know, you fall, I I, I hear you that you, you are in love with me. But the reason why you feel that love is because you have a void in your heart of being emotionally neglected or abandoned or something. And as you come into contact with me and I'm a very caring, you know, good, stable person in your life, a lot of your feelings are coming pouring out to me, including romantic uh, longing. And uh, it's because you have a void that someone created earlier in your life and I'm feeling that void and to you it feels like you're in love with me but in reality um, you're just a lot of your feelings are coming pouring out to me and you and you listener are saying that your feelings are are not that's not what's happening yeah it's possible Um, you didn't give me any background on your attachment injuries growing up Um, it's possible that uh, it's not filling a void but how would you know uh, there's no way to really know. You you thought that therapy was only going to take two or three sessions. And I suspect you, like a lot of people, I would say a majority of people, you need, a, you need therapy for a long time. And uh, I'm guessing that you um, don't necessarily know the difference between the feelings that come from that void and the feelings that come from not that void. Uh, it's really hard to detect the differences between that. So uh, it's, 
I'm going to take your word for it that it's not filling the void, but I just want to say you have to be cautious about your ability to to be aware of that. Um, and having having said all that, I will say there's a lot of signs that it is filling a void for you. Uh, you have all the classic signs. Now, again, uh, maybe not. And, uh, you know, only you know the answer to that question. I'm terrified for you, honestly. It's like you're standing on the edge of a cliff wanting to jump off, and you're saying, I'm going to be fine. Uh, yeah, it's possible you'll be fine, but not likely. Of all the possibilities, and I've heard all of them, there is an extremely low likelihood that this is going to end well for you. The best I can hope for for you is that uh, you either don't tell him that you... So here's my recommendation, is that you seek romance outside of therapy. There's a lot of fish in the sea. Yes, it's possible that he's the one for you, but I don't really believe in the one, and there's probably a lot of ones out there for you. And what a wonderful thing it would be if you had both a therapist that you could talk to and a spouse that you could really depend on, and they were different people. You deserve to have both relationships in your life. And it's totally possible to meet the one uh, somewhere else. You deserve that. You deserve romance. You deserve closeness. You deserve love. You also deserve a good therapist. Um, The other recommendation I have is to use therapy to help you heal from whatever attachment wounds you have in your life. You deserve that too. I suspect like everyone, you have attachment wounds that are at least in part, if not wholly, playing a role in your feelings toward your therapist. Now, this isn't to say that your therapist doesn't also like you. You know, transference doesn't necessarily mean that your therapist also doesn't have feelings for you. But even, even so even if I was talking to him, I'd be like, um, this isn't going to go well for either one of you. I've seen people lose their license. I've seen people... Um, change their careers and be depressed for the rest of their life. You know, this is, this is a, there's so much at risk and almost no way of knowing if this is going to work out. And there's a high likelihood it's not going to work out. It's such a roll of the dice. So again, I recommend you absolutely seek romance. Uh, You deserve that, but do so somewhere else. A scenario could happen where you, you know, you, you are struggling with this, um, love that you have for your therapist and you're and you're like okay I'm going to hold back I'm not going to tell him I really want to tell him but I'm not going to tell him at least I'm not going to tell him now and you start dating and then ten, you know 9 12 months later you meet someone and you start dating and lo and behold you fall in love and you're and a few months later you're really in love and then you look back at your therapist and you think well I have a fondness for my therapist but I'm in love now and I only have room in this heart for one man and it's the guy I'm dating and not my therapist. And you slowly start to uh, fall out of love with your therapist. I've seen that happen before too. That happens a lot. So, um, you know, that's, that's absolutely a path for you. The urgency to somehow try to work this relationship with your therapist into a long-term relationship is uh, unfounded. There, there's, there's not likely an urgency to that. Um, so again, I just want to emphasize, according to st- statistics and according to my um, my 
anecdotal experience of which I have a lot. I would I would just throw out a number. I would say you're more than ninety nine percent likely to be harmed um, if if the two of you in fact started to, to date. Um, are there cases where people actually do fall in love and they stay together the rest of their life? Yes, in extremely rare circumstances. Um, but you know, is is that the sort of odds you want to take? Are are those the dice you want to roll? Now, I'm going to switch gears. Clinicians out there, please get your shit in order. Stop doing things like this. Extending sessions, kind of flirting with your with your clients, treating clients like they're your friends, self-disclosing in a way that you would with a friend or even a romantic partner. Just stop it. You know, there are two possible, if I'm going to take the listener's account factual, which I don't know, but if I'm going to take it as factual, there are two possibilities here, both of them bad. Number one, he is attracted to his client and he's not seeking consultation. It's, if he is attracted to her, it's pretty clear that he's not actually seeking at least good consultation because anyone would tell him, dude, you got to pull back for everyone's sake. You know, stop extending your sessions. You're giving the wrong impression. Stop self-disclosing as much. Stop uh, acting like this person is your friend. You got to, this is a professional relationship, dude. Like, what are you doing? Um, so that's one possibility is that he is attracted to her and he's not seeking consultation. The other possibility is that he doesn't actually like her, but he's just oblivious to the messages that he's sending. Now, they're not major messages uh, based on the facts that the emailer has laid out. They're not major messages of flirtation, at least, you know, unless I was in the session actually observing their back and forth. But there are some messages, you know, seemingly, right? Um, and so there's a possibility that he's just oblivious and extending his sessions because he thinks that, I, I just don't understand why people do this. Uh, the, what happens when he needs to pull back, which inevitably happens, by the way, uh, and I would say 95% of the time, at some point, so let's just say this therapist doesn't actually like her or doesn't want to entertain a relationship with her. And they continue seeing each other. And he continues to, um, you know, see her two to three hours a week without billing for uh, one or two of those hours. Um, so usually therapists, when they're doing this, and it just is like nails on a chalkboard, they will have the client be the last client they see. And they just sort of arbitrarily decide, oh, you know what, I can go another hour. Uh, today I'll go another two hours. Um, what, like, what book in your graduate school said that that was a good idea? Uh, you know, get your shit together, people. Uh, so, le- but inevitably, what happens is this therapist will s- either suddenly realize what's happening and go, "Holy shit, I need to pull back," or he'll get more clients, and he, you know, because essentially he's just giving away his free time. He's he's volunteering his free time for this client. And eventually his, he's going to run out of free time. Usually people do, you know, like I said, either he gets more clients, maybe he actually even, uh, starts to fall in love with someone and he doesn't have time. He has to, you know, spend time with 
uh, his new partner or something. How is he going to justify that to her? How is he going to justify, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to be going back to a strict, strict 50-minute session. Well, she's going to be like, why? Well, what are you going to say as a therapist? Well, I fell in love. Or, um, you know what? I just decided that I need to pull back because um, I'm donating too much of my free time. I mean, what the hell, people? Like, there's nothing wrong with seeing clients for two hours a week, but can keep the frame, boundaries, make it official. Like, let's say for whatever reason, you're, and I've done this before, I, I've, I've had two-hour sessions, regular two-hour sessions with clients, but you know what I did? I charged them for it. I also documented it. I also, you know, went over informed consent with the client of like, okay, so you want to see me for more than an hour a week. I'm willing to see you for two hour sessions. Uh, it's going to be from this time to this time. And um, there's a small possibility that I will run out of that free space and we'll have to cut back to an hour or something like that. I didn't actually do that with the clients that I've done that with. I, whenever I cross that boundary, I just, I'm just ready to have it always be that way. Um, but I might have an informed consent bit on, okay, if you want to cut back to an hour again, then uh, we'll talk about it then. And if we do that, then I might have to permanently keep it at an hour because I want to make sure that the boundaries are clear. Um, yeah, you could do that. Absolutely. You could see a client five hours a week. Psychoanalysts see clients, you know, three or four times a week. There's nothing wrong with seeing a client a lot a week, but you have to keep the frame and you have to make it predictable and you have to make it official and you can't make it squishy and you have to charge for it. Or at the very least, you have to make it clear this, these other hours are going to be pro bono for you because of these reasons. Um, and necessary. You have, to, you have to say, okay, this is necessary f- for me to treat this person. Here's the justification for it. You can do that. Absolutely. I'm not hearing that in this situation. It has all the markers of someone who actually, um, you know, is losing their sense of what they're supposed to be doing professionally and is um, just falling into that very common trap. You know, which again, le- lends itself towards something characterologically going on with this therapist. For a therapist to just be like, yeah, I'm going to bend the rules in this major way because you know what? I feel like it. And that's a red flag. And I, listener, I really hope that um, you heed all this uh, knowledge. And let me know how things go. Uh, I, I'm extremely curious on how things go. And if you don't want me to read your account on the podcast, that's fine. But, but I'm, I'm one, curious, and two, I'm, I'm terrified about you. I really, really am. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me out there. Let me know what you think by going to psychologyinseattle.com and filling out the Contact Us page. That's the best way to contact me. And take care of yourself because you deserve it. (laughs) 